0: A remedy for weariness. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. Say, there is a remedy for weariness. Maybe find two or three people, just kind of point at them and tell them there's a remedy. We missed you, Sister Vera. May be seated. The noise of confusion, darkness, and division seemingly crescendos all around us. I'm speaking of the oppressing noise of civil unrest and disharmony that we seem to be experiencing almost on a nightly basis. I'm speaking of the political blood fight that's dividing our country in two. I'm speaking of that great cataract of oppressive noise that COVID-19 is making in our world. So much fear, so much trepidation, so much confusion, so much loneliness, so much sickness, so much loss. Turn on the TV, pick up the newspaper, go online, but whatever the dealer of disaster you may choose, you'll only be bombarded by a barrage of bad news. Those in the church, those out of the church, dealing with financial strain, seemingly surrounded by sickness, some separated from the church because of that sickness, confused about what tomorrow is going to hold, some unsure of what to even do in their todays, family struggles due to the pressure of what we're facing, loss of jobs, loss of hours, loss of security, loss of some the peace of mind, on and on we could go regaling the hearer of the challenges that we're all facing and that we have all endured these last few months. And some sit in the room even today weary from it all, weary from the pressures of life, weary from the cares Of this world, weary from the causes of confusion, weary of the noise that is around us, weary of the sicknesses that you have battled, weary of those not doing what they should be doing, weary of unfulfilled dreams, weary of unrealized expectations, weary, weary, weary. You're not backsliding, you're just weary. You're not necessarily giving up. You're just weary. You're not turning your back on God. You're just weary. The Bible would describe it as a trial of our faith. You and I might would describe it simply as being weary. The prophet Elijah in 1 Kings understood well The plight of more than just a few in the room today. Forget the picture now. He had just prayed fire down from heaven. He had defeated hundreds, over 800 false prophets. He had went to battle and destroyed these false prophets of Baal and other false gods. And once again, Elijah has reestablished the one true living God in the land. Yet, as we discussed a few weeks ago, many times it's after our greatest victories that we then encounter some of the greatest attacks from the adversary. For it's here when we pick up the story, fire has just fallen, he's just been victorious in battle against these false prophets, he has reestablished God as the one true living God in the land, what a day, what a victory that had been, and then we pick up the story, 1 Kings 19 and verse 1, and Ahab told oh Jezebel all the stuff that Elijah had just accomplished by the hands of the Lord. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then O Ojezi sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She said, whatever it takes you're going to be just as dead as those false prophets you killed by this time tomorrow. And when he saw that, when he heard those words, he arose and he went. He fled in fear for his life and he came to Beersheba. Stay with me now. I have felt so strongly impressed of the Holy Ghost the last few weeks to inform this great church about the spirit of fear that it's doing its best to work in our midst during this time. And it was this same spirit of fear that attacked Prophet Elijah's mind as well. Forget this now, he had just stood, can, can you think about this? Can you think about how awe-inspiring, how just, uh, what, a, what a monumental moment it must have been when he prays and fire falls from heaven, mere yards from where he is. Now, we're amazed when we look up into the sky and we see a falling star. look. look. Can you imagine what it was like to have so much fire fall so close to you that it literally melted the stones? But he stands because he wasn't afraid. And then he willingly and bravely begins to chase after over a hundred false prophets And he goes to battle against them. And he is victorious in battle against them because he was not afraid. But now we find him running away in fear because of the mere words of one woman. For the only, and this is so important, the only weapon the enemy has is words. For with those words he constructs lies. Which when believed cause us to, like Elijah, vacate the place that God has called us to be. And to relinquish the spiritual role that God has called us to fulfill as we run away in fear because of words. That's why the book would say it like this in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High God. Weary. How do you get so weary? I'll show you from the Daniel 7, 20, 25, because the same attack the enemy uses against the Most High is also going to be the same attack that he uses against us. And what was his weapon? His weapon was words. He shall speak great words. How does the adversary wear down the saints of the Most High? He uses words. And those words say things like this, God is not going to come through for you. If God really is who he says he is, then why are you going through what you're going through? If God is truly a healer, then why are you still sick? Words. Anybody ever heard those words? can God really provide for you? Is this book really strong enough for you to build your entire life upon it? Are the doctrines that you have been taught really true? If this is all so true, is it all true or is it just the philosophies of man? Words. Words. You're always going to struggle with what you're struggling with. You're always going to deal with what you're dealing with. It's never going to get better than what it is right now. Words. On and on and on, the words keep coming. Like an avalanche into our mind. And the more we believe the words, the more egregious the lies become until our minds are so clouded, our thinking is so scattered, and our thoughts are so confused that we don't even know what to believe anymore. It's words formed into lies that when believed will wear out the saints of the Most High God. Weary, weary. So here we find Elijah weary, running in fear because of a few words that he believed to be true. When in reality, Elijah was running away in fear over words that the enemy lacked the power and the permission to back up and carry out. Somebody needs to be reminded of the fact that if the enemy is telling you what he's going to do, it's because he doesn't have the power and the permission to actually do it. Woo! If he had the ability, the power, and the permission to do it, he wouldn't talk about it before he does it. He would just do it. The reason he's talking is because he doesn't have the power to carry it out. Woo! So when he speaks words, when he speaks words, when he speaks words into your mind, those words constructed in a thing called a lie, in order for you and I to make it, we got to understand not just what the lie is, but we got to understand what the truth is. So if you want to find out what the truth is, I got a little secret, a little spiritual trick for you. Here's what you do. You just reverse what he says. I said, "You just read. you want to find the truth. Just take what he told you and reverse it, and you'll find truth. Because nothing comes out of his mouth unless it's a lie. So, if you want to try and find truth, reverse it and stand on that. So, if he's telling you you're never going to be victorious, then just reverse that and stand firm on the fact that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper." If he tells you that he's more powerful than you, uh, you need to reverse that and stand on the truth uh, that greater is he that's within me uh, than he that is within the world. If he's telling you there's no hope, uh, just reverse that fact uh, that God said uh, he could make a way uh, where there seems to be no way. Uh, Whatever the enemy's telling you, uh, just reverse it. Uh, You'll find truth uh, and then stand on that truth. Come on, somebody praise him, praise him, praise him now. Woo! Somebody said amen? And so, as we go back to our story, I want to show you, I just want to peel a few layers from our story for your hearing today, and I believe the Lord is going to help us. I want to show you from this story and from the life of Elijah a characteristic of someone who's battling this spirit of fear. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 3, I can't can't shake this. I, I feel the Holy Ghost very strongly to address and to confront this spirit of fear in this church. I want to show you a characteristic of someone who is struggling with being bound by, controlled by a spirit of fear, 1 Kings 19 and 3. And when he saw that, when he heard, when he's seen Jezebel's words that had come against him, telling him this time tomorrow he's going to die. When he hears these words, he arose and he went for his life. He ran in fear for his life. And he comes to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. Now watch, if you're just reading it quick, you'll miss it. And he left his servant there. The very one who could have helped him. The very one who could have supported him. The very one who could have given him care during his moment. He leaves him behind. And this is the position that we find him in next. After he leaves his servant behind, we pick up our text, 1 Kings 19 and 4. But he himself went a day's journey. So he leaves his servant behind and he himself goes a day's journey into the wilderness. And he comes and he sits down under a juniper tree and he, quest- and he requ- requested for himself that he might weary. And he said, it's enough. Now, oh Lord, take away my life. For I am not any better than my fathers. I don't have anything more than what anybody else had. I'm a prophet of God. I'm a hand of God. But I I don't have anything greater. There's nothing within me of significance. Just want to die. Notice now the spirit of fear will always attempt to get us to separate ourselves from those that he knows have the power to support us and help us. I'm teaching good right now. The spirit of fear will always do its best to isolate us from the church. For he knows that within the church is the sustenance that we need to survive. And I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the people. For hell knows that it's when we separate ourselves from those that can help us that it will be merely a matter of time until we, like Elijah, find ourselves in the middle of a wilderness experience with no hope within us at all. We need to be reminded that the book says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 5. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were so weary. We were troubled on every side without were fightings within were the spirit of fear was trying to work so diligently in our hearts here were the people of God no rest weary 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 from the journey trouble on every side fightings going on all around them the spirit of fear doing its best to work that sounds like 2020 to me. and i want you to see what it says next 2 corinthians 7 and 6 nevertheless <laughs> God that comforteth those that are cast down. Now, watch it. Comforted us by the coming of Titus. Notice it doesn't say that the Shekinah glory of God's presence fell in that room and we were comforted by his spirit. It said, God sent us a brother. And we were comforted in our time of weariness. I'm here to tell somebody, God does his comforting many times to those who are cast down by sending a brother or a sister in the Lord to our side. For in our connection with the church comes the comfort that we need to make it through it all. And hell knows of this self-sustaining power that resides within the body of Christ. That's why the spirit of fear does its best to get us to separate ourselves from the brothers and sisters of the Lord. So somebody in the house, I feel this with everything within me. You need to reconnect with the church and get connected like you've never been connected before. Come on, I got your answer today. You need to get, come on, there's healing power. There's healing virtue. There's comfort that's going to come through a brother or a sister, through a conversation, through an email, through a text, through a visit, through something. There's going to be some healing. There's going to be some comfort that comes. Because you get connected. Somebody has allowed the context of COVID to be the catalyst that the enemy could use to separate you from where your help comes from. So I implore one and all to grab a hold of the church and grab a hold of the church family tighter than what you've ever had before and do not let go for any reason, especially during this time. Don't let go for any reason. Somebody might be watching this at some point or listening to this at some point, still battling some of the COVID issues and you say, well, I can't come to church. The church is not a building. The church isn't just open from 10.30 to 12.30 on a Sunday. Call somebody, reach out to somebody Get connected with somebody Have a prayer meeting over the phone with somebody Why? Because that's where your comfort That's where your help is going to come from Come on Come on, let's praise the Lord and thank God for the church right now Come on, somebody, thank God for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You need to recognize something today. That's not just some person sitting next to you. That's not just some other guy, some other lady sitting. No, no, no. That's the source of comfort, that's the source of strength. So don't allow the spirit of fear to isolate you. I realize some might not be able to come to church if you're sick, stay home. I get it. But that doesn't mean you've got to be isolated. You know, the body of Christ went a long time before they had church buildings. Well, I can't make it to a church building so I can't get comfort. No. The body of Christ went a long time before they had a church building that they would go to on a Sunday. And they received comfort and strength even without a church building because they understood strength flows through the body. Let me say this. It's in my notes, but let me say this. Please don't fall into that insidious trap that says, Well, the church knows I'm sick. The church knows I'm hurting. Hurting. The church knows I'm struggling, so they should be reaching out to me. Come on, don't fall for that trap. The Bible says, they that are sick, let them call on the elders. It doesn't say let the elders call on those that are sick. We don't like that though, do we? It says if you got an issue, if you got a sickness, you get a hold of somebody. Now we're going we're gonna to do our best and we're going to try to reach out and we're going to try to be aware. But we're not mind readers. And we don't. We're not living with you twenty four hours a day to understand the severity or the depth of what you might be struggling with. Would it kill you to pick up the phone? He said, "Well, the church is here for me." <laughs> really? Come on. I'm just trying to tell somebody. Don't believe, man. I feel something right now. I must be. I must be. Here's why that lie comes to people. Because the enemy knows if they'll believe it, it'll isolate them. Well, I just don't understand why the church isn't reaching out to me. And nobody ever calls me. And nobody does this. Nobody does that. So here's, I'll show them. I'll just isolate myself even more. And if you're not going to reach out to me, then I'm not going to reach out to you. And And we feel good in our flesh. And the whole time the devil's over in the corner laughing his head off. Because he understood I just isolated them from the very place where they are to get their strength. Come on, who cares if you call us or we call you? Who? What does it matter? What matters is you get connected with the body of Christ. Well, I got a few amens on that. It's true nonetheless. It's true nonetheless. The reality is not who called who and who reached out to who. What's more important... The important thing is that you got comforted. How we got there is irrelevant. Mm. So here we find Elijah running in fear. Fear. Separating himself from those that can help him. Separating, you stay here, you stay here. I'm going to go on, but you just, I'm going to move on without you. And when he does, he gets into a wilderness experience with absolutely no hope, wanting to die. So then we pick up the story again, 1 Kings 19, 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, he's so weary, so weary, stay with me now, that he collapses under a tree and he begins to sleep. But a few verses later, and we'll get there in just a moment, but a few verses later, it was an angel of the Lord that comes to him in order to tell him that the journey that he was to make, the journey that was ahead of him, the journey that God wanted him to go on was too great for him. In other words... It was not too great for him, as in you're not going to be able to accomplish it. But in other words, Elijah, the journey you have been called to make, think with me now, is too great to accomplish simply by doing what you know to do in the flesh in order to combat your weariness. Elijah, you think you need a few hours sleep and it'll cure what is causing you to be so weary. But a few hours sleep isn't going to sustain you for the journey you have been destined to accomplish. I need your minds. And here's why. Because Elijah's weariness was not due to the lack of sleep. Therefore, a few hours shut-eye under a juniper tree couldn't fix that. His weariness was due to the fact that the enemy of his soul was coming against him to wear him out. His battle was not against Jezebel. His battle was against Satan. His battle was not physical. His battle was spiritual. His battle was not the lack of rest for his muscles, but rather the lack of rest for his mind. That's why we read this next. And as he lay, verse verse 5, 1 Kings 19 and 5, and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touches him and says, Arise and eat. And oh, Elijah looks, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water was at his head. And he did eat, and he drank but then he goes back to sleep. And the angel comes again and says, no, 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 no. no. Don't go back to sleep. I know you keep reverting back to what you think is gonna fix it. But you need to wake up and partake of what God has provided. The angel comes again a second time and touches him and says, Arise! And eat, the journey is too great for thee. And so this time Elijah arose and he did eat and he did drink and he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. It was a supernatural provision. That when he partook of it, sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights. I need you to see that what Elijah needed could only be provided for him miraculously. And not that which he could provide for himself. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody needs to know today, and I feel the Holy Ghost, I need to speak this the way I feel it in my spirit. Somebody needs to know today that that which you need is not that which you can provide for yourself. You need miraculous provision. Somebody's weary today. I said somebody's weary today. And you think, I'll just shake myself out of this. No, you can't. The journey's too great for what you can do on your own, with your own ability, with your own strength. Well, I'll just will myself out of this. No. I'll just force and push my way out of this weariness. No. For you and I do not possess within ourselves that which is necessary to finish the journey that God has called us to finish. That's why we need to partake of the supernatural strength that can only be given to us and provided by God. I might not be preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody. The other thing I need for us to see in our story is that the provision, this is good, had already been prepared even before Elijah knew anything about it. For he was asleep when supernatural provision was being prepared. And he was unaware of the fact that God was preparing everything that he was going to need. But even though Elijah was unaware of the provision that God was preparing, God was still preparing it for him nonetheless. Which lets me know this, very simply, that God knew exactly where Elijah was and God knew exactly what Elijah needed. I've come to preach to somebody right now. If that was true for Elijah, it's true for you right now. I know you're weary. I know you're alone. I know you're all kinds of messed up. I know you don't know what tomorrow holds. But I've been sent by the Holy Ghost to tell you, God knows exactly where you are. And he's already prepared what you need to sustain you for your tomorrow. It didn't catch him off guard. He knows right where you are. He knows the journey that brought you here. He knows every, he knows every circuitous route that brought you to the place where you are. And he's already provided everything you need. Come on, somebody needs to receive that right now. I feel led of the Holy Ghost to encourage someone to stop praying the prayer of God. I need you to provide this and I need you to provide that. I encourage somebody to switch that prayer and I need you to start praying, God, I receive the provision you've already prepared. It's not something I need you to do. It's something I believe you've already done. It's not something that I need you to accomplish. I'm just going to receive what you've already accomplished on my behalf. Even when I felt like dying. Even when I was in the wilderness. Even when I didn't think I could make it. Another day you were already preparing. Woo! The psalmist would say, he prepareth a table before me in the middle of my enemies. When I got into a place where I was surrounded by it all, God said, I've already prepared the sustenance that you're going to need to make it through. He knows where you're at. And he's already prepared the necessary provision for your today. But the thing that I need us to see is that it was not enough for provision to be made. If Elijah doesn't wake up, You can have all the cakes baking on the fire you want. You can have 37 gallons of water, ice cold, surrounding Elijah. But it sustains him not if he does not wake up and partake and I feel in my spirit as I'm coming quickly to a close. The Lord has prepared miraculous provision for the weary today. Before you ever walked in this room, it was prepared for you. Before you woke up this morning, it was already prepared for you. If our spiritual eyes Could be opened in this room You would see surrounding you Provision abundant For the journey There is supernatural strength For the journey present Right now There is miraculous power necessary to get us through right now you see this is what grace is grace is what makes up the difference the Lord's you can only go so far in your flesh and the distance you can go in your flesh is not the distance for the totality of the race So there is a gap between where your flesh stops and where the finish line is. What is it that fills in the gap between where I stop and where I've been called to be? It's a word called grace. Ah. It's grace that provides everything you need. When you don't think I can go another step, that's when grace kicks in. I said that's when grace kicks in and says I can do what you cannot do and I can provide what you do not have. And So it is here, it is in this room, it has been provided for us now But it is incumbent upon you and it is incumbent upon I to wake to the Spirit. We must wake up to the Spirit in order to partake of divine provision. Are you with me now? For this is a spiritual provision which can only be tapped into when we get into the spirit. If it was a fleshly provision, it would be that which we already have. But our fleshly provision has brought us as far as we can go. And now that which remains to get us to where we're going is a spiritual Provision, but in order to get it we must be awakened to the spirit Ooh. and it cannot be received by those who choose to remain asleep spiritually I'm talking to somebody now mm. but to those who will shake themselves and wake themselves. Wake up, Anthony. I know these have been some dark days. I know there's been more questions than answers. I know there's this heaviness hanging over our world and over our lives, but you need to shake yourself awake to what thus saith the Lord. Come on, you need to shake yourself awake. I know your eyes are bleary. I know your body's weary. I know it's rough, but whatever you gotta do, whatever you gotta do, wake yourself up to the Spirit. Listen, I know church online isn't the same as church at home. And I know sometimes after online services, we might have felt like we hadn't been at church at all. Come on. And I know we haven't been able to lay hands on one another and pray one for another. And we haven't been able to, all the stuff that we're used to have, and if we're not careful, it could have lulled us. a spiritual slumber and to a spiritual sleep where we are not in tune and awake to the moving of God's spirit but he sent me to tell you that which you will need to make up the difference from where you stop to where you need to go is going to be obtained if you will awaken to the spirit, tap in to the spirit be alive to the spirit For it is a spiritual touch. It is a spiritual impartation. It is a spiritual encounter that will give us provision. What am I talking about? I'm talking about those that just go through the motions. I'm talking about those uh, that are hit and miss. I'm talking about those uh, who just parrot a few praise words uh, in a little while in an an altar service, uh, and they just stand there and kind of look around, say, I love you, Jesus, clap their hands a little bit, all the while thinking about what they're going to do this week. I'm trying to tell us uh, the enemy is doing his best uh, to rock some of us into a place uh, of spiritual lethargy uh, because he knows uh, if the hand of the Lord cannot wake you... uh, then you can never partake of the provision that God has prepared for you. I'm talking about those when the presence of God moves into this place like a rushing mighty wind and they sit unmoved and unwilling to pursue it and then they wonder why they don't have what they need and they wonder why they struggle with all that they struggle with. It's because you're asleep in the spirit but if when the hand of the Lord shakes you and when the spirit of the Lord shakes us in this place in the next few minutes if we will feel it and we will open our eyes. And we will lift our head. And we will pursue the spiritual thing. Within that pursuit of that which is spiritual, we will find spiritual provision. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. I know the spirit of fear has been against us. I know we may be weary in potty, but we need to wake up to the spirit. The Spirit has not stopped moving because of COVID 19. The Spirit of God has not stopped being at work because of what's going on in our government and what's going on in our world and what's going on in our nation. The Spirit has not stopped. The Spirit is still at work. The Spirit is still accomplishing everything that it is intended to accomplish. And within His working is provision for His people to accomplish His work. And finish the journey. But they've got to wake up to the Spirit. They've got to be in tune with the Spirit. They've got to plug in to the Spirit. They've got to awaken. so it's got to be very careful that we just don't allow excuse after excuse after excuse to keep us from the house of God we can't just allow excuse after excuse to keep us from our relationship with God we can't allow excuse after excuse to keep us from plugging into the presence of almighty God in a service right now why? because we need to wake up we need to wake up we need to wake up to the moving of his spirit because within it this provision necessary to make it. Ooh, man, I feel such a burden to preach this. The enemy's doing his best to move us to a place of sleep and to a place of slumber. And slowly he rocks us. Slowly he rocks us. We don't go from sky high spiritual to dead overnight, dead asleep overnight. We don't do it, but slowly the world rocks us. Slowly our day rocks us. Slowly the issues rock us. Slowly the issues of our life rock us. And the turmoils and the struggles and the questions and the difficulties of life rock us, rock us, rock us. us. Our eyes grow heavy. Spiritual eyes grow heavy. It would just be easier. Just give me a little while. Let let, let me just coast through this service. Let me just sleep through this one. Oh, I'll be here. I'll clap when I'm supposed to clap. I'll say amen when I'm supposed to say amen. But inside, I'm spiritually. Out of slumber. I, I, more than likely, I'll be back next Sunday. More than likely, I'll be raring to go next Sunday, but just let me sleep through this one. And the enemy, the enemy, the enemy knows if I can rock them to sleep, I got them. Because it doesn't matter what provision may be surrounding them if they're asleep. And I close with this. And this is why it's all so important, I believe. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 8 back to our story. And he arose. He arose. And it is the will of God for somebody to arise. Shake yourself. Whatever you gotta do. Whatever you got to do. Yeah, that's a little drastic, is it? No. If it takes that to wake you up, whatever that is, do it. And he arose and he did eat and he did drink. Ready? And he went on the spiritual strength of that meal 40 days and 40 nights so that he could eventually get To Horeb, the Mount of God. The journey was too great for him. He was was lying asleep under a juniper tree wanting to die. He never in his own strength could have got to Horeb, which was like, I don't know, it was like 100 miles away or something like that. On his own ability, he could have never gotten there. But because he awoke to the spiritual provision, partook of it, that sustained him miraculously to get to Mount Horeb. And here's what he did when he got there. Ready? Everybody with me? First Kings 1916. The Lord speaking to Elijah. When you get to Horeb, there's going to be something I want you to accomplish. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Ablahola. Did I say something in Spanish right there? You want to translate? Ready? And Elisha, we'll skip the next part. And Elisha shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room, or in your stead, or to replace you. I'm going to say this point point we'll be done. Here's what we know about Elisha. That God used him to bring about twice as many miracles as what Elijah did. So here we see, give me your minds, here we see that God used Elijah to help usher in a double portion of the miraculous and a double portion of the supernatural. It was Elijah that helped usher in Elisha, which then imparted a double portion of the miraculous into their context of their world. Right? God used Elijah. I need you to open the door, Elijah, for a guy by the name of Elisha who's going to do some awesome stuff in the people's lives. But you got to do it at the Mount Horeb. And you're wanting to die under a juniper tree. You can't anoint him under the juniper tree. There's a destination you've got to get to in order to accomplish what I want to accomplish in the world. And Elijah never accomplishes his God calling over his life if he never wakes up He never goes to Horeb, he never gets the oil out, he never anoints the next king and he never anoints the next prophet that's going to bring about a double portion of power and miraculous unction in the people of God. He never does it if he never wakes up and i feel so strongly in my spirit uh, that god is desiring to use someone uh, to help to help usher in uh, a dispensation of revival uh, that is twice as great uh, as anything we've ever seen before I know we're supposed to clap at that but I'm telling you I'm not saying it for something to clap about I feel it so strong in my spirit uh, resting upon somebody in this house multiple somebody's in this house is potential for greater things than anything we've ever encountered before Elijah you've seen your stuff but Elisha's going to see greater things I'm here to tell somebody within you has been planted spiritual uh, provision that is necessary to open a door and make possible everything this book has promised to us and it's no wonder the enemy is trying to wear you does it make sense now brother ron Where there's a Mount Horeb experience and there's an Elisha waiting to be anointed so that he could then begin his ministry and accomplish greater things than any prophet had ever seen. Doesn't it now make sense that the spirit of fear would be working so diligently in the mind, the heart of Elijah to make him want to die under a juniper tree? wonder. It's no wonder the enemy's trying to get you to fall asleep. It's no wonder. It's no wonder he's trying to get us to fall asleep. It's no wonder the spirit of lethargy, and I'm almost done, that the spirit of lethargy is at work in the church. Lethargic In the spirit. It's Sunday I'll go. But I won't think too much about it. Monday through Saturday. Thursday's online. I probably won't even watch that. Lethargic. Lethargic. Fill all my time. Fill all my time. With all manner of entertainment. With all manner of stuff. Of this world. And the things this world can offer me. And I grow so out of touch. Spirit. And I'm falling asleep. I'm falling asleep. And the reason is because the enemy of your soul knows if you'll wake up, you'll see provision. And when you partake of provision, it will propel you to your Mount Horeb. And when you get there, the fulfillment of your calling will be recognized. And he doesn't want that. And so I say, as we stand, as we stand, God has sent me to this room to encourage us. Wake up. Hear me. Hear me. Listen, listen, listen. Right now, if you could see it, there is a a flow of the Spirit right over the top of us. It is as a river flowing over us. It is the flow of His Spirit. Within that flow, Sister Fable, is provision, sustenance, everything necessary for the journey. It's there. It's been provided. It's not something we need to happen. It's already happening. It's flowing. I can almost see it. It's flowing. But as long as we are asleep in Zion, it can flow right by. And we'll never receive it. But who is it in this room right now? Who is it in this room who will be willing to say, I will push my way? Into the moving. I will awaken out of sleep. I will awaken out of slumber. I will shake myself from spiritual lethargy so that I can tap into. Because it's not about just me getting a little blessing today it's more than just me speaking in tongues a little bit today it's more that has more to do than just me feeling a little better when I leave the house today it's about a journey that I'm on it's about a calling that's upon my life and it's about the fact that within that calling I can only go so far and there is a distance and a gap between where I stop and the fulfillment of what I've been called to do and I know there's a Mount Horeb on my horizon, and I know there's a calling of God that he wants me to experience, and I know it's the will of God for me to usher in something greater than into our world and the context of my world than anything that's ever been seen before, and in order for me to accomplish that, it must be me awakening. See, here's what it is. Here's what it is. The first time Elijah, the angel shook him, and he woke up and he partook a little bit, but then he goes back to sleep. What is that? That's last Sunday when the Spirit of God moved, and we woke up enough to talk in tongues a little bit. We woke up long enough to jump a little bit, clap a little bit, sing a little bit, but then we went right back to sleep and right back to spiritual slumber and lethargy of the spirit. But the angel of the Lord is coming back again this Sunday, and he's shaking us yet, maybe even a little more violently this time. Don't go back to sleep. Don't go back to sleep, but I want you to partake of the provision that God has given to you because when you do it in its essence and in its fullness and in the completeness of the provision you will then have strength for the journey to accomplish the call of God over your life so so I wonder now if we can lift our hands in the house. We sing about there's a shaking of the spirit. He's shaking us right now. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. up. There's a call on your life.